This episode of the Commerce Marketer Podcast is brought to you by Bronto Software, the leading email provider to the global internet retailer 1000. For more ideas on how to improve your marketing automation and to take your email to the next level, visit www.bronto.com resources. For companies, Facebook is a pay-to-play platform. It's no longer as simple as applying a budget and boosting front-facing posts. In order to truly get your ROI from your Facebook audience, you're going to have to implement a deeper strategy using the right data. So what can companies learn from a digital agency who serves an industry with high price points and longer decision cycles? Welcome to the Commerce Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Zakowitz, and today we're going to talk about Facebook and social media marketing in the automotive industry, where buying considerations are longer and heavily researched, and how those strategies and lessons might apply to your business. Join me to talk about this today and a whole lot more. I welcome the show the Vice President at Dealer Authority, Erica Sims. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Erica, we've been chatting offline for, geez, 20, <laughs> 25 minutes now, and uh, I haven't asked you about your company at all, so probably a good time since we're on record. Uh, why don't you give the audience a quick background about who Dealer Authority is and then kind of your role within the company itself as well? Sure. Uh, So Dealer Authority is a digital marketing agency that, of course, primarily focuses in automotive. That is mainly because of the leadership all came from automotive. So uh, we focus primarily, like I said, SEO, social media, PPC. And we also do a lot of consulting for our dealerships who want to take their strategies not only to digital, but then also into some of their traditional marketing. So we kind of help manage and consult on that, that area. My role as VP actually started out as kind of a, I was a little bit of a catch-all when I first started at Dealer 30. I knew both of the founders and just so happened I helped with uh, selling of a, my previous company and I was considering going back to work for the company that bought them or you know what was going to be my next step. And they reached out to me and said, hey, we don't know what we want you to do, but we want you to come on board with us. So I started working at Dealer Authority and eventually started getting into every aspect of SEO, social media, and eventually started doing all of the uh, account management, um, overseeing the account management side of Dealer Authority. And then when uh, we bought out our co-founder uh, mid July of last year, I was promoted to vice president to, to kind of help steer the ship. So how long have you, have you been at Dealer Authority for? Four years. Okay. And what was your previous company? Previous company was called KPA, um, another automotive company that okay. did uh, websites, SEO, social media, PPC. So I was on the social media department side, uh, did a lot of presentations, um, public speaking, all that kind of fun stuff. Do you have a favorite presentation you've given or topic of presentation you've given? Let's see. I did like uh, going all in on social media. It was kind of a play on poker at a conference over in, uh, what was it? It was in um, Napa Valley. It was a a smaller conference, but it was really fun because it was right around the time when social media, you know, you had to put a little bit of money in and we were releasing a really cool turn on investment. And uh, so that was my, my presentation was going all in. So you threw me for a loop by saying that, but Bailey, so right before we, we started talking today, we were just having a conversation about speaking and going to Vegas seemingly 20 times over the last couple of years because every conference has seemingly been in Vegas. And then you're like, oh, it's a play on poker. I thought you were going Vegas. Well, originally it was supposed to be in a Vegas setting, uh, but the conference ended up uh, happening. This conference happened a little bit sooner, so and it just so you know it just so happened they're like, hey, can you go the week before <laughs> the conference was supposed to happen? So I'm like, sure, I'll use this presentation and come up with something else later. So there's worse places to be than Napa, I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh, and I love wine, so. <laughs> 
What's your favorite type of wine? Oh, the big one right now is called Cooper and Thief. Okay. It is a wonderful red blend that they put in, in into a bourbon barrel for three months. So it's got a very nice vanilla note to it. Very easy to to sip on. And I recommend sipping on it because it's got like 16% alcohol. Okay. So yeah, take take it slow with that one. Does it have like a bourbon taste to it? It does. It has that like that spicy, not spicy, more like a... A warm vanilla note to it at the okay. very end. So you kind of sit there and you drink it and you're like, I want to be by a fireplace with a nice leather couch and, you know, giant dogs just surrounding me. This is my happy place and big bookshelves. You just described the studio <laughs> here. There we go. It's a nice little fireplace in the corner. It's impressive. All right. So you're working with car dealerships, you know, bread and butter here. Cars have high price points. It's kind of one of the reasons we, when we talked about doing the podcast, we kind of went back and forth on on angles and things like that. But I find the high price point conversation to be really intriguing to me because while it's car dealerships, you still do a lot of online searching here, but we all e-commerce between electronics like televisions, um, you know, home electronics, uh, you know, dishwashers, things like that, high price points, furniture, things like that. So people can still buy those things online. So I, I, I find that angle to be very interesting. People are buying vehicles. The buying cycle, the research cycle is much longer than traditional products here. So when you talk about social ads, you know, you need to integrate probably a whole lot of data to target the right consumer at a very long and detailed buying journey. So what types of data are more important when you're dealing with it? Is it going to be location because of seasonality, right? Buying something in Buffalo in mid-December, much different than being in Miami right. in mid-December. Right. Is it site activity? So on the website, they're clicking on multiple cars or clicking there. Is it length of time on site? What data points are you most interested in when you're trying to target people on social media, knowing that you know you have this higher price point, longer buying cycles, research activity? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So normally what I like to do is I like to start out with your, your three parts of a funnel. So you have uh, for automotive, you know, bottom of the funnel, someone that knows they want to buy, let's, let's say a Chevy Silverado, right? Then you have the mid funnel, which is someone who knows that they want to, um, they want to buy a Chevy and then top of the funnels, they go, okay, I know I want to buy a truck, but I don't know which truck. I don't know what model and brand. I'm just, I'm starting that process of, I'm pretty sure I, I want to buy a truck. So we want to try to create ads that hit every part of the funnel. Because if you have that opportunity to hit someone at the lower funnel who's saying, yes, I know I want to buy a Chevy Silverado, who do I want to go to? That's your, your data points. We were looking at someone who is in market, local, and who would be interested, you know, in purchasing, you know, so that's, that's that targeting at the bottom. At the top of the funnel, I would be a little bit more broad. Someone who's not just interested in Chevy trucks, but just interested in trucks or SUVs, you know, that kind of targeting. So normally we set that up. Location is, is key. Um, a lot of the, the dealers that we work with, they actually have a radius in which they can target. So we do a lot of zip code targeting along with, the problem is now we have a very big commuter population. So we're also trying to hit not only where they, they live, but also where they work. Because a lot of their research and a lot of the time that they're spending on their phones or devices is going to be not just sitting at their home. So we try to focus on those areas as well. So taking all that consideration, um, Oracle data has been immensely helpful to get us things like shoppers in market versus near market, shoppers who are interested in Chevy, shoppers who are interested in crossovers or SUVs, being able to kind of parse out that data and combine them with your location. And then knowing exactly, um, you know, if it's something like income level, we can kind of target by that too. So parsing those out into three or four different kind of campaigns can help you hit 
all parts of your funnel. And that's how we kind of help with the, the dealerships. Where are you capturing some of that data from, so, if you can say? Oh, yeah, multiple places. Our company has a partnership with Oracle Data, which has been phenomenal, especially uh, now that we've kind of worked out a, um, a better relationship with them after Facebook, you know, kind of decided, hey, we're not going to do uh, data. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. But then also customer data from the dealership. We pull a lot of lists out of the dealership CRM and DMS. You alluded to Cambridge Analytica in nicer terms, but uh, I, I'm assuming that was probably a pretty big thorn in your side when that whole thing came down. I know Facebook deprecated a lot of different APIs from a lot of different places. Has that significantly impacted how you guys approach social media marketing, you know, paid search? Has that impacted pretty significantly how you operate or was it more just okay, we need to pivot a little bit here, but at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal. So initially when we started talking about doing uh, Facebook marketing, we always knew that if we relied on just specifically Facebook and the data that they provided, we could be in a lot of trouble in the case that something happened where they decided they're not going to provide that data or, you know, they shift and say, hey, you're going to have to pay X amount of dollars or, you know, at some point it, it, we knew it was going to change. We just didn't know how drastic it would change. So we always kind of come up with the idea, well, we need to have a backup plan and we also need to make sure that we're utilizing our customer data to help offset that. In this case where they took out the the Cambridge Analytica data for, I think it was a period of two two to three months uh, where they kind of just paused it. It really wasn't as detrimental as we were thinking it was. The time in between them creating the APIs and getting the data kind of in a roundabout uh, way back in so that we could utilize it, that's been a little bit more of a thorn just in the fact that there's a lot of paperwork and waiting for things to happen because at the same point in time, you have two different companies that you are trying to work with that are communicating with each other not very well. <laughs> so that was the hard part is making sure that, you know, we got everything set up so that our clients didn't feel any change or any hiccup. Has anything happened because of that process where you look back and say, oh, you know, it's kind of a blessing in the skies that that happened because now we can be more efficient doing this or we thought we needed this, but we actually didn't need that quite as much. Was there anything you kind of took away from that that was a surprising benefit or not really? Um, no, actually, the so we've been running the new Oracle data through Facebook now since October 2nd. And surprisingly, the results are much better. And we're seeing about a two to 3% increase in click-through rate, which, I mean, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when the average click-through rate for automotive on Facebook is about 1%, that's significant improvement. And then we're also seeing a huge improvement on the website data. So we're seeing, you know, bounce rates that were, you know, about... 60 to 70% are dropped down to below 30%, which is what we see for organic. Time on sites improved dramatically. We're seeing, you know, before the, the data switch over, it was about one minute time on site. Now we're seeing anywhere from four to five minutes time on site. Okay. So the data has definitely, in my opinion, improved. If not, we're able to get a little bit more data. You guys are on all sorts of social sites. Facebook, obviously, I'm going to guess is probably the bread and butter for a lot of your clients, just a gut feel of mine. <laughs> no, that's correct, yeah. It's hard to get them to buy into a lot of others. Yeah. I've had conversations with different retailers of different walks of life, and some say, hey, Facebook is great, couldn't live without it, you know, it's driving tons of revenue for us, you know, ROI's off the chain. I have other retailers I've spoken with, and like, it's a money pit, right? It's killing us, they keep telling us, you know, we're working with the reps, and they're telling us, hey, we could do this, this, and this, but we just wind up sinking money in it. Right. Some of it's going to be product specific, um, some's going to be price point, some's going to be probably age demographic specific, but are there any KPIs or indicators to you 
that would say, yes, this might be more acceptable or you might have a better chance of success knowing you hit these one, two or three things versus someone who maybe does not check those boxes? Yeah, I would always say, you know, if you're sending traffic to your website, always make sure that you're checking the, the indicators like time on site, you know, if you're getting any conversions from the, that data source, um, a lot of what we do, we don't, you're not seeing a whole lot of conversions in automotive right now. You're seeing a lot more calls versus form fills and things of that nature. Um, again, they're not true e-commerce sites, so that is definitely hard to, to kind of figure out from the automotive side. But I've worked with other retailers who, again, it's looking at, you know, how many people are going to the site, how many pages are they visiting, is it quality of traffic, or is it, again, bounce rate of 80, 90% where people are hitting your site and bouncing off? One of the things I would recommend as someone who's getting into Facebook advertising is identify if you need to be doing branding ads versus, you know, click to your website ads. If you're trying to build your brand and build your product, do something that's going to be, again, branding, getting your content out there, video. Um, and then, of course, you know, using things like YouTube and Twitter to kind of help house and facilitate your messaging. And then also there's a nifty little setting in your ads. If you go in and turn off audience network, do that. You'll see a huge improvement. Very cool. You alluded a little bit to my next question, which is very broad and generic. So you got a lot of talking to do. What makes a good ad? Is it a video? Is it a static image? Is, is it a scroll? Like, what do you find to be the hot thing for ads right now? So for a lot of our clients, I really wish they would do a lot more with video. It's very hard for to get our automotive clients to do video. But in this case, we've been seeing a lot more of canvas ads and um, carousel ads did did well for a while. But I'm really loving the, the canvas ads because they also translate very well onto Instagram. But with the Canvas ads, again, you have to make sure that you're visually appealing to your customers because it's all about the item, the product, that it's like sending a very visual message. And especially on Instagram, Instagram's all about that visual appeal. So, you know, putting a little bit more quality and time into creating those posts is definitely going to help promote that on, on Instagram as well as Facebook. But highlighting those specific features about the product or service that you're providing, those have done very, very well. Uh, video, I would highly recommend doing very branded why buy messaging. It goes over very well. So two questions on video. Do you find that a lot of dealerships are not doing videos because of resource limitations? So in, in dealerships, it's very hard to find. A lot of them are, are more like on the mom and pop side of like business. If you okay. think about a business, they're very much mom and pop kind of store. So you do have your corporate, but at the same point in time, they don't really have BDCs or departments set up to handle video. So the hard part is getting someone to say, hey, man, you know, I know you're a sales guy, but can you go out and shoot a video with your iPhone for like 10 minutes and just come back to me and we'll put it on Facebook? Even getting them to do that is is difficult. We do have a lot of early I'd say mid to late adopters, but we still have a lot of them who are trying, which is the first step. You start experimenting, you try a video, you do a walk around, you you feature the product, and then you do um, a why buy. You know what makes your business better than anybody else around you. You know, are you guys putting in warranties with your vehicles, or is it just the fact that hey, we've got hot chocolate in the showroom, come on over? All that kind of helps. So we've got our man Stan in the room with us right now, taking video as we're speaking about this. So dealerships, if you're listening contact me. I'll get you in touch with Stan. <laughs> He's a photographer too, so he can he can double dip for you. From a effectiveness of video standpoint, you said you wish dealerships would do it more, but mm -hmm. do you find them to be significantly more effective on the video side? Is it just simply more engaging so it has a longer shelf life to it? 
What are you finding the, the big value of video to be? So if we're getting video from a lot of our clients, we're seeing a very big improvement on um, on click-through rate and, and just engagement and video watch time on remarketing lists. So again, that's putting a, a code on your website and hitting people who are you know have been to your website and are now going to social media or uh, you can do it also with PPC. But uh, that's where we see a lot of that, you know, putting in a why buy message and talking about the dealership. We've also seen really good success um, with Spanish. So the Spanish-speaking population really hitting them using video to kind of, you know, say, hey, this is in Spanish, obviously, saying this is our dealership, this is who we are, we're here to help you purchase a car, and, you know, we'll, we'll treat you right. So we've seen about, I want to say, a 20 to 30% increase in click-throughs to the website on video. So it's pretty significant. Pretty significant. So again, it's making sure that you also put in those calls to action so that people can, you know, take the next step. So, and it's great for a click-through. Again, landing them, again, this is one of my specialties, is building landing pages that are appropriate. Just don't land them on the homepage. That's another thing, is you'll see a better performance on your website if you send traffic from Facebook onto a page that's specifically talking about what you're advertising. So the landing page, is there a better, whether it's top, middle, or bottom, funnel, is there a better approach to, hey, you know, landing pages are more effective if you're bottom funnel or top of funnel, or is it all about the same? You just need to make sure it's the right landing page for the right social targeting. So top of funnel, which again, you're, you're people who are, you know, kind of dabbling in the idea of what, what I'm going to buy next. What is it that I'm, I'm looking for? You know, landing them on a homepage may not be terrible, but you know, you can always do, like I said, a why buy or a good, a good uh, page that talks about just your products in general. The middle and bottom funnel definitely use a landing page because then you can highlight your product, you can talk about your product, and then you can talk about the the effectiveness of your product. One of my favorites, there are so many mattress companies out there right now. They have some great pages that talk about every aspect of their mattress and their product. And they use uh, anchors in their pages to help land people specifically where that ad was, you know, talking about. So if you're talking about how cushy and comfy or, you know, how cool the mattress is, it's not going to, you know, make you sweat, you know, crazy in the middle of the night. They drop you in those specific parts of the website that, you know, that ad was talking about. So you said that's your specialty is landing pages. Do you make landing pages or do your authority make landing pages as well? Yes. Uh, part of our SEO is to build fresh content to the website. We took that a step further in the last two years by creating dedicated specific landing pages for campaigns that do everything from, you know, again, doing the why buy message, uh, parsing out to inventory, having inventory on the page. It does a full breakdown of the vehicle, but it's also written from a almost consumer, not just more spec, but consumer aspect. So if I'm a soccer mom who's looking for a new van, why is the Honda Odyssey a great vehicle for me? Guess what? They have a vacuum cleaner in their car. I mean, how cool is that? Nobody ever talks about that. That would be an awesome feature. I'm not a mom, but if I was a mom and I could suck up Cheerios in my car with a vacuum that's already there, heck yeah. Yeah, so there's a, quite a few people in the office who have Odysseys and they all love them. <laughs> Plug for Odyssey, I guess. There you go. I never realized it would be that big of a deal and I had to take my car seats out about two weeks ago and the stuff that was underneath those seats in my back seat was unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. So the vacuum probably would have come in handy. But. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, about your, this might be anecdotal, it might be, you might have an answer for it, but it might just be personal for you. You work in the dealership space, high price points, we talked about that already. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about how those strategies from a social marketing perspective tie into what a normal retailer that might sell, whether it's a couch, another high item, or a $50 sweater or a pair of shoes. What approaches have you found to be very similar? And it, you might not know because you don't work in say the e-com space, but look at your own personal shopping habits. Right. 
you're probably very attuned to ads you see on social sites being in it. What ads or what approaches are effective for you versus, and did you think are comparable to what dealerships or other high price uh, items might be selling as well? Um, well, when it comes to a strategy for no matter what, if it's, uh, you know, a high dollar, what, like what we were selling is, like you said, vehicles, or if it's even, you know, um, an Etsy kind of thing where you're, send, you're, you're selling little rings or whatever. It's all about, you know, starting out with identifying a branding message and helping that kind of get across your player platforms. So one of the things that we focus on with Dealer Authority is, again, we unify the message going out everywhere. So if it's your website, it's your social media, it's your, your SEO, a PPC, no matter what it is, you have to have a consistent messaging. So that's the first thing I say is, you know, make sure your strategy is aligned across the board. And then that helps you to start building a good strategy on social media. So, you know, when it comes to some of those ads, like I said, starting out with the branding is important because it, it helps filter down, but then you have everything from, um, you know, getting down into the specific make model. So if you're selling, like you said, actually something I just bought was a couch a couple months ago from, oh God, I can't remember that it was called. So you can tell I didn't do a great job with my branding. Oh, what was it called? Probably Raymore and Flanagan or Ashley Furniture. Maybe something like that. Uh, two Bronto clients top my head. <laughs> I'm just giving them a shameless plug right now. <laughs> Ashley, no, it was Ashley Furniture. But let's say, okay, let's take an Ashley Furniture. You know, talking about if I'm someone who's looking at, you know, I start my, my browsing and my searching on, let's say, higher-end mega couches, something with a pullout or something like that. It's a lot easier to target those individuals knowing that, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of size and features and things that I'm looking for. I'm looking for a pullout. I'm looking for something with cup holders. I mean, hey, it goes into cars too. But it, it's a lot easier to kind of break out those kinds of ads and campaigns into smaller, more manageable campaigns instead of just doing one giant broad campaign that's targeting everyone. So taking your ads to break down to smaller, you know, like what we do in automotive is, yes, we have the bigger branding ads, but then we focus down to the, the specific make model. We even do things like, um, you know, SUVs versus trucks versus compact cars, which, by the way, compact cars are all kind of going away. So get them while they, they still last. But that's one of the things that we've, we've seen is making sure that you're, you're parsing out your data, you're hitting those smaller target markets, because then you can customize the message to fit them in particular. You're not just trying to go as broad and big as possible. Does your couch have a fridge built into it? No, that would be awesome. Actually, I got it's. My mother was going to kill me when I told her, but I got a giant pink couch. Pink? A Chesterfield pink couch. Why pink? Because the walls are uh, navy blue. But you can change walls. Yeah. Like, you can't repaint your couch. But it's an awesome pink couch. Is pink your favorite color? No. <laughs> Okay, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you obviously love pink because that's something you're looking at every single day. Yeah. I've got to imagine maybe you're, you want to love it. Yeah, just want to love it. Okay. It's like a soft blush pink. But you bought the couch for the walls versus mm -hmm. painting the walls based on the couch. Yeah. I wanted a manly couch because, you know, the Chesterfields have like the big rolled arms. But then I'm like, how can we soften this and not do the giant leather? Plus you have a dog, you know. The leather scratches. So I was like, oh, we'll make it, you know, a pink. But it's also like animal proof. So the fur and everything. So, yeah. So if I understood that correctly, you wanted a manly couch. Yep. But you wanted to soften it a bit. So you yep. went straight pink. Yep. Salmon color, right? No. It's like a soft blush. And the funny thing, it was my husband's idea to go pink. He was like, let's do pink. It looks good. Thumbs up, Stan. <laughs> thumbs down. Tabitha, who's who's on Dealer Authority, she's in the corner here. She thumbs she's up She's seen there. it. She's seen it. We've actually done quite a few videos. I think it was Joybird. 
Oh, that's what it was, Joybird. I'm somewhat glad we're actually videoing this thing today because everyone said like, <laughs> we can't see that. This makes no sense whatsoever. Can Instagram be a standalone social strategy for a dealership or does Instagram have to be a component of something like a Facebook strategy? Does it have to be a part or can it be a successful standalone marketing strategy? I believe in with what we've done, I believe it can definitely be a standalone, especially if you consider if you can you can pull in some of the Oracle data now because Facebook is now partnered, you know, owns Instagram. And because of the partnership, you can filter some of that through there. So one of the most unique things for automotive is we're constantly trying to hit uh, first time car buyers or and then, you know, of course, the millennial age, which they're pushing a little bit more towards uh, Instagram. So there's definitely a play there to start hitting people who who have been waiting longer into their, I guess, adulthood to buy a vehicle. A lot of the people that we've talked to who are in the millennial and a lot of the polls show that either they've bought their first two cars either from a family member, a family member, a family member purchased it for them, but it really wasn't until maybe almost 30 that they went to a dealership and dealt with anybody in a dealership. So Instagram is, def is a platform that they can hit those individuals on and kind of break through that barrier of saying, no, you you know, you you don't have to worry. We're not scary. We're not terrifying. We're not going to beat you over the head with a car until you buy it, you know, to kind of break that that mentality down. Is there a car right now that you look at and like, man, that thing just sells itself. If I could get that client, I'm golden. Oh. Or is every type of car just a hurdle in itself? It's always going to be a hurdle because there's so much competition. I would say Toyota is one of my favorite car brands, but you know, that's because my dad owned a Toyota store for like 10 years. So, you know, I've driven every single one of those, but uh, you know, they just have some of the, the coolest features that are added into the vehicle at a pretty good price point. So again, Toyotas are pretty easy to sell on themselves, but they're so competitive with each, with each other that it, it definitely, that's where they see a lot of their, their pricing competitive. Now, it's old school Toyotas used to last like 280, 300,000 plus miles. Do they still last that long? Oh, yeah. One of the only vehicles, there's very few that hold their their value. The Forerunner and Tacomas actually are one of the few vehicles that appreciate. So if you can get your hands on like a 2007 Forerunner, you, yeah, just, just go on like eBay or just check them out. They're, they're very expensive, even though they're almost 10 years old. How about when it comes to paid search? These things are obviously going to go, they're going to be complementary, right? You're going to have one kind of leading the other and then kind of circling back. Mm -hmm. From your experience, is paid search a better way to go to start the funnel? So drive someone to the website, then use that behavior to then retarget them on social? Is it trying to get the website activity first to social and then retargeting from the paid search side, knowing they've kind of left? Or is it kind of coming together and saying, hey, Paid search, social, exact same time. Let's get them to the website and then we figure out our retargeting strategy after the fact. Which one of the three options would you say to go with? So I'd have to also add in there organic because again, it's one Nothing's of the- Nothing's organic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know, content is king. But initially when you do a search for something, let's say if you're trying to find, I, my favorite is, you know, you're looking for a new doctor. It's not something you do that often. So of course you don't want to spend- you're not going to go and look at five or six doctors. You're not going to go in and interview them and say, excuse me, sir, uh, how are your services? And how often, how easy can I get in to see you? You should be able to do that, though. You should. It really should. Because it's not all, all of them are the same. It's definitely not. You definitely can get treated different each doctor, each place you go to. Outside manner is a huge issue. 
But you, when I first was trying to find my doctor, I researched for days and days and days, and I was doing everything from local doctor reviews, everything you can think of. So again, starting out with, I think, doing a good PPC, doing a good organic strategy to help get people to your website, because that's ultimately where you want to focus is getting people to your website. Then adding in your social media on top of that. The one thing I do say over PPC that social has is the visual component. You can be very compelling with very few words using a little bit more visual. Um, a lot of what we do with some of our, our ads on an automotive is not only do we focus on the cars, but we also add a humanizing element to that, which you see, I go around to take a look at a few, few websites of dealerships, looking at their scrollers, looking at whatever images and videos they have, about 80% of them don't have people in them. And adding a human element to some of those images makes it feel a little bit more inviting. So that's something that we've, you know, talked about adding in and, and has actually had a huge improvement on when we do A-B testing on the visual. So that's one of the things I love about social media is that you can add a little bit more oomph to it because you have a little bit more of a, you know, we're all visual. We want to watch videos. We're lazy. Any idea or theories as to why they don't put people in those images? Is it just because they're scared that that person, whether they're employee or not, it's just either going to be outdated or they're going to leave and say, take my picture off there. Or is it just one of those things that, hey, that's how we've always done it, so let's just keep doing it this way? Hey, that's how we've done it, and this yeah. is what the manufacturer has given us to use as far as assets. So Toyota's actually done a pretty good job. Honda's done a good job of adding in, in people because you can kind of, if you, the, the idea is that people see themselves as that person, that they can be in that car and they can see themselves using that product. So again, using cars or, you know, even if it's a home, adding, you know, if you're still trying to sell a home, adding a person in the image, maybe not in the home images themselves, but in your advertising, if I'm, oh, who's a Remax, I think is, yeah, that's a home selling company, right? Remax, Remax yeah, yeah, real estate. You know, talking about, you know, having two people standing in from a home and just, you know, taking down, putting the sold sign on the house having that aspect of that feeling of excitement that, yeah, I could be that person. I could have that, that, that dream of having that new car, that new home, that new couch, you know, adds a little bit more um, personalization to, to the images and to the videos. I'm available for modeling in these pictures, <laughs> by the way. I could be single, married, or with kids. There you go. That's great. There you go. Add uh, a dog in there. You'll be good. That's right, which I can get from you. I can there borrow you from you. We so we're in good shape. As you can tell, she has dogs. She's fostering a dog. Yes. You guys would have no way of knowing that because we were talking about that offline. But I digress. You mentioned like a side comment a minute ago, content is king. And so far we've talked about specific landing pages, you know, specific types of, of ads for people, uh, paid search strategies, humanized lifestyle elements in the picture. So everything you've alluded to has so far has been personal content in there. Mm -hmm. Other things that maybe are a break from this is how we've always done it that you have found to be successful? Yeah. So with like, you know, are you talking just specifically content or like other different strategies we've tried that... Whatever comes to your mind. <laughs> so with the content, um, there's a few different things that we've seen that work really well, you know, uh, experimenting, of course, with hashtags and, you know, adding in some of that stuff, especially for the ads has definitely helped. But um, putting in some emojis, some, you know, in the content of your ads... Uh, it's a little bit more eye-catching. One of the things I see see as a big fail with people who do ads, not just not on my customers, but you know others, they a lot of times they'll squish all the content together, and that makes it very difficult to read. So by breaking it out, putting maybe like a little header that talks about you know, hey, December specials, you know, uh, giving a space, and then actually talking a little bit more, another space, and then you know, sprinkling in some of the emojis helps to 
bring the person to the ad in, in a, again, a more visual aspect because people have also gotten used to ads now on Facebook. So a lot of times they'll scroll by. So how, how do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them interested in your ad and not just move on to the next thing? Uh, so any little kind of differentiation you can make in your content presentation, in your images, anything like that can, can keep you on top of the page and keeping someone uh, engaged with you. Very cool. I mentioned, you know, automotive, there's longer buying cycles. Right. There, um, there's some cases where it's probably a very short buying cycle. Guy got into a car accident. He's got, you know, you go three days without a car, you realize you missed that car pretty drastically mm -hmm. and you want to buy one pretty quickly. Is there, from a social side and you're targeting someone, is there a general time frame you look at and say, you know, they haven't bought in 30 days, stop marketing to them or let's significantly drop the level of marketing we do to them. Is there a general time frame that you guys look at? Well, it's usually about three months. That's the, the buying okay. cycle we're seeing. If they haven't bought within three months, either something else has changed where they've kind of moved out of the buying cycle. But that's usually where we put in 60 to 90 days for remarketing because at any given time, especially around this time of year, there's a lot more gut reaction buying because you have things like end of the year promotions and, you know, you know, uh, closing out the year sales where when I think between Christmas and New Year's is one of the biggest selling portions of the year for automotive. So it's not just before Christmas, it's definitely after. So we see a lot of the time where, yeah, knee jerk reaction of, hey, I can get a really great deal at the end of the year or tax break if I have, you know, uh, a business I can, you know, expense this at. So we see a lot of that. But if people haven't bought within that, that 90, so three month mark, then that's when we kind of, you know, put them back at the top of the funnel of saying, hey, well, maybe if you're not interested, this is, you know, remarketing, branding, just kind of keeping you engaged with us type of uh, type of advertising. So that completely pushed them off. But what is something a dealership should never do when it comes to social marketing? Um, I mean, I'm assuming if you're consulting, <laughs> I mean, if they say something like, hey, you know, we should do X, Y, Z, and it sounds like a terrible idea. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say, no, you probably shouldn't do that. And here's why. But you know, maybe it's not a, you should never, you know, just yell at your customers like the obvious, but, yeah. uh, you know, has anyone ever brought an idea to it that sounded good? Maybe it sounded a little out of the box, but good. But you looked at it and you said, terrible idea and here's why. So the, usually the big one that they come to, to us with is it's a lot of like around these times of year holidays and events and uh, building engagement through giveaways. One year, and this is kind of just an example, one year we had a client who wanted to give uh, an Xbox, I think I think it was an Xbox 360 or something. And he's like, we're going to create engagement and we're going to advertise this. And what they have to do is share their story online. And he found out really quick. We, we advised him like, this is probably not the best form to do this on, you know. Uh, but the idea was that people would comment and share their Christmas stories on the Facebook page. And that got very ugly, very quick. Other people were cutting other people down, and uh, it just turned into almost a verbal melee on their Facebook page. So we we removed it completely and kind of got rid of it. So giveaways, a lot of the times, we find that just there's if there's no direct link to your product or what you're trying to to sell at the end of the day, be as transparent as, as you possibly can. You don't have to, you know do crazy gimmicky things in order to get people to buy a car because most of the time the people who are going to engage with you on those are never going to buy a car from you anyways. I think it's a good point that any retailer can look at that want to do giveaways either for growing their email subscriber right. file, whatever is exactly what you said. Make sure it's going to relate to the brand because everyone might want an Xbox, right? right? But there's no tie into the car. You could have 12 year olds who want an Xbox and they're not buying a car from you. 
Same thing with giving away, you know, an iPad if you're a shoe retailer. Well, sure, everyone was going to want the iPad. Right. Not everyone's going to want women's shoes, whatever it might be. So very good point. Great answer. I try. What did I neglect to ask you today that is important you think the audience should know? Um, well, we, we touched on it a, a few minutes ago about, you know, PPC versus social media. One thing I, I did kind of want to add on to that is in PPC, you're waiting for someone to search for you. You're constantly, you know, waiting for someone to enter in a search term that you're bidding for. So the wonderful thing about social media is through the targeting and through the data that you can get to, to go after people, you don't have to wait. You can get in front of them. You can be what I like to call aggressive marketing. You can be in, you don't have to, you know, wait for them to enter your name or enter in a search term. You can just be there. So, and again, that's a great opportunity. There's not a whole lot of other avenues besides billboards and TV, which even in today's, you know, arena, everybody's on Netflix, everybody's doing Hulu. So, you know, and a lot of those paid subscriptions skip over. Uh, the only time I really watch commercials anymore is during Super Bowl. And that's just to see what kind of crazy stuff they're coming up with this year. They're not even that good anymore. No, it's so disappointing. It's been like three years in a row I'm looking at these going. Half the commercials you've seen prior to. I know. As well, but I, I don't find them very good anymore. The Doritos aren't bad, but they're kind of getting to ridiculous to the point of just, you're just like, I'm. I'd agree. Yeah. So, no, I, I want to start, we want to start a, a conversation about, you know, rating the, the commercials nowadays because either they're really like innovative and great. I'd say a really great one to look at is what's it called? Um, Alfa Romeo. They have a great commercial right now and it's. Alfa Romeo, the guys are trying to sell their BMWs, their uh, their Lexuses to buy an Alfa Romeo. So they're pitching to the people watching the video about their vehicle. They're like, yeah, this is a great car. It's got all the technology, but it just doesn't have that. And then they show the Alfa Romeo revving up and, you know, shooting down the street. So very clever, very clever. Very cool. Do you guys ever dabble with outside industries? I know you guys specialize in automotive, but do you work with other industry verticals at all? Yes, we do. Um, we worked with, right now we're working with recycling company. We're working, we've worked with restaurants in the past, some local boutiques, things like that. We're also looking at possibly getting into the law and our medical field, but just really has to be like the right client. Very cool. You got a few minutes to stick around and answer some fun questions? Absolutely. I say they're fun. I say this every time. <laughs> I say they're fun, but I don't have to answer them. Putting it in the hot seat. What's the worst impulse purchase you've made online? The worst impulse purchase? Um, oh, okay. Uh, okay, I can do my husband's. Okay, that, that works. works. Sure, uh, throw him on the bus. <laughs> I'm totally throwing him under the bus because this is a great story. So Pink couch. No, actually, I do not <laughs> regret that one. This one was, he had gotten a little too tipsy and I should, and this is why I don't have the one-click purchase on Amazon anymore uh, because what came in the mail about three days later served was a belly dancer tinkly skirt thing. And I For him or you? No, he was trying to buy it for me, okay. but I was... I hope I get the package and I'm like, what the heck is this? And I shake it and it's like the tinkly and I pull it out and I'm like, and what is this supposed to be? And he's like, what is, oh, he had completely forgotten he had bought it. That is an actual phenomena is yeah. drunk shopping. Oh God, it's like Weekends pick up, Friday and Saturday nights pick up. But I mean, the New York Times, they've done stories on this before. That's interesting. That's a good one. What's your husband's name? David. David. Why do car dealerships have the worst TV commercials ever? Oh, because it started back in the, the 80s. And I remember because I was growing up in Florida, they had this great, they had this great commercial of this family auto mart and the guy would go crazy doing cartwheels and just trying to get you, you know, in the door. And that's what it is. It's engagement. It's just saying, I remember that nut job. 
I'll go see him because he's entertaining or he's nuts. You know, it just, that's how you differentiate yourself. And that's why we have the crazy. The ones I don't like are the ones where they scream at you the entire commercial, which we've kind of, they've gotten away from that. So yeah, those, that's kind of why we see the, the crazy, you know, dressed up in cowboy hats commercials from automotive. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Whacking, waving, inflatable arm guy. Uh, thumbs down. Thumbs down. <laughs> Tabitha in the corner is giving a thumbs, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Well. Stan, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs down. My kids like them, but yeah. I see you have a Starbucks cup there. Yes. Any negative comments about the design this year? I I like Christmas. I'm not going to say, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. So, and this is tea. I have a hot tea. It's okay. The, the cup doesn't judge. No, the chip chip. Yeah. <laughs> I want to decorate it too. I like those little ones that you see where they decorate them. There you go. Starbucks, if you're listening. All right. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. If you say it's not, then you're not my friend. Why not? Or why? Why is it? Why? Because it's all focusing around Christmas. A guy comes in almost like Santa Claus, running around air ducts, which you could consider it would be like a chimney, trying to save you know Christmas and the oh god, I'm gonna blow the name of it, the Yakatomi Plaza. Yes, did I get that right? Uh, I think so. I haven't seen it in quite some years, but yeah, I think that's right. I mean, yeah. What's your view on brunch? Uh, absolutely. Love it. Why is it a thing? Because usually you stayed out way too late Saturday night. And so it's past the time for normal breakfast, but you still want eggs and you want something delicious and hot to get you past that hangover. So why not mix a little mimosa or a Bloody Mary in there to get you through the rest of the day? But isn't that just lunch? Yeah, but you still want like an egg sandwich. There's plenty of places that sell egg, sal- or egg sandwiches for right. lunch. But what if you wanted but a pancake with that? Like a pancake. Sure. What is it? The Oh, it's like a French toast with a sandwich and ham on the inside and egg. And what is that called? French toast ham sandwich. Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo. See, that is the epitome of brunch right there. But you can have waffles and chicken. I mean, that can be like a Yeah, I mean, there's, restaurant. dinner, there's restaurants here that sell that all day long. It's but it's permanent. dinner, right? All right. You can tell my view on brunch. I love brunch. Weirdest job you've ever had. Oh, God. Okay. Um... Weirdest job. So this was probably in the start of my career. It was called uh, Dealer Specialty. And it was where I would go out and photograph vehicles for the dealership's websites. And that's how the photos get on the website is usually someone's out there taking them. Well, that was my job is I'd visit each and every dealership in my territory, take the photos, upload them, and then move on. It was weird because I had some of the craziest accidents in that job. One year it snowed. I slipped on the ice in a truck. I'm only 5'5", five five, so this truck at least was like nine feet tall. It was the biggest truck I've ever seen, and it didn't have like a stepladder or anything, so getting up into it was ridiculous. So when I got out of the truck after taking photos, I hit the ice, slipped and fell, almost busted my knee, fell on my camera and computer. Both were toast. But then you would get into some really random cars where you turn on the AC and like a cigarette butt would shoot out of you from nowhere. Smell horrible. You're pretty sure someone was murdered in it. But, you know, that was probably the weirdest job I've ever had. Ever find the body in a trunk? No, but you're pretty sure you you maybe found like a squirrel that just kind of... Made its way in. Yeah. Nothing good. All right. Uh, guilty pleasures. TV show, music, anything like that? I love to knit. Okay. So I knit and crochet. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. Did you knit that sweater? I did not. You know, this is difficult. This was like really tight knitting. I was going to say that's fancy. Very fancy. Uh, very cool. Where'd you get that at? Uh, this is a online store called Patty Boutique. It's nice. Thank I you. Like I'm not a fashion forward person by any stretch. I'm it's on Amazon. They have great clothes. Awesome. When's the best time to buy a car? What month? Well, it really depends. I would say 
August or September is when the new models come out. So that means that if you're looking at, okay, at getting the latest model, so like let's say for August, September, the 2019s were coming out, so you can get a 2018 with better incentives. So it's still a new car, but you have the opportunity of saying, okay, this is what's coming out this next model year. Is there any feature that I want on the 2019? Or, you know, is it, uh, do I just want to kind of save some money and buy the this year's model, the 2018? So September, August, September. I was told, and this is going back probably 15 years ago, I was at a dealership and a guy told me March, but it was also like 15 years ago and it was in Wisconsin, so weather might have impacted. Yeah, yeah. All right, got to get you guys out of here on a relatively decent time today. How about uh, one meal for the rest of your life? Oh gosh, one meal? Mm, macaroni and cheese. Okay. You like bacon or anything on it or just pork, plain mac? Pulled pork with that. Pulled pork. Oh, God. Uh, who's got the best mac and cheese in the Raleigh-Durham area? That would probably be Poole's Diner. Okay. It comes out, it's baked, and it just has like so much butter and cheese. You will probably have a heart attack right there at the table, but it's just, it's amazing. So my son, Connor, who is four, is like this mac and cheese aficionado. <laughs> like he'll go places and be like, no, that's not good. We won't eat it. He loves Panera. He loves Outback. Oh, really? I got him Bojangles one time. That's my wife's wishes. He actually liked their mac and cheese, hmm. but we went somewhere else. It was I don't know, it's a nicer restaurant. He's like, that's not mac and cheese, Dad. <laughs> if it's not powdered cheese, it doesn't count. No, he doesn't like the cheap oh, stuff. Okay. okay. No, he's, I don't know where he gets this from, but uh, I'm going to set a timer for you. Okay. Name as many burger toppings as you can in 15 seconds. Go. Egg, cheese, uh, ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, lettuce, tomato, bacon, blue cheese. Does that count as a cheese? Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see, uh, onions, pickles, relish. Time's up. Okay. I don't know if you repeated any. I'll go back and listen. Uh, <laughs> I counted 12, which is my counting's not always the best there. <laughs> Pretty good, almost won a second. No. That's impressive. Thank you. Any questions for me? Uh, when's the next time I can come on and chat with you? After the Super Bowl, <laughs> we'll do a Super Bowl commercial rundown. So, oh, yes, that would be so much fun. I can't wait to, to you know, dive into those. We can do that. Mm-hmm. We do that, Stan? He's looking at me like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I'm just taking a video, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> we'll have info in the episode description, how to get a hold of you, dealer awesome. authority. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you guys? Uh, either through our website or you can email me at Erica, E-R-I-K-A, at dealerauthority.com. And you can probably figure out the website is also dealerauthority.com. Correct. Of course, check the episode description. We'll have links down there. We'll have links to social handles and stuff down there as well, I'm sure. Erica Sims, everyone, Vice President at Dealer Authority. Erica, thanks for your time today. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Thank you to the listener of the week, Michelle from Indianapolis. We are covering the United States here pretty deeply. And let me know if you're tuned in. If you're interested in telling your e-commerce or email marketing story, I'd love to hear from you as well. Until next time, have a great day and be kind to one another.